0: Okay, let's dive in. Welcome to the Binding Ritual Book Club. I'm Jen. I'm Laura. And we like books. Spooky books.
1: Yay, books.
0: This is our first proper episode. Unfortunately, Liz could not be here with us, but she will hopefully be back next time. I hope you did your homework and read "My Sister, the Serial Killer" by Oyinkan Braithwaite. It's not that big a book, promise. It's not that big.
1: It's a really cool cover, by the way. Yes, it does. Also get a copy or read a copy or get your hands on a copy because it's got like a pretty badass looking lady yeah. on the cover. And
0: she's got like these really cool round sunglasses and there's like a knife in them. And oh my God.
1: I didn't even notice yeah. that. And
0: she's so unfazed by it. She's just like, yeah, bring it on.
1: I had read in quotations, the audiobook and I'll talk more about it later, but that's why I didn't notice that there were uh, knives in her eye, uh, sunglasses, because I've never seen a copy up close, but Jen has one, and that's what I'm yes, looking at. I got,
0: I got fed up waiting for it at the library because it was so popular. Everybody wanted to read it, so I just said, screw it, and I bought it from a bookstore. So visit your local bookstore. What was the bookstore, Jen? It was probably not a local bookstore. <laughs> but you should visit them all the same. Okay, hey, so... Hoots. What's this book about? I think you should do the honors since this was your pick. Oh, I should? All right.
1: So just tell the listeners what it's about. Cool. So, uh, is bitter. How could she not be? Her sister, Ayola, is many things. The favorite child, the beautiful one, possibly sociopathic, and now Ayola's third boyfriend in a row is dead. Coride's practicality is the sister's saving grace. She knows the best solutions for cleaning blood. The trunk of her car is big enough for a body— and she keeps Ayola from posting pictures of her dinner to Instagram when she should be mourning her missing boyfriend, now that she gets any credit. Korede has long been in love with a kind, handsome doctor at the hospital where she works. She dreams of the day when he will realize that she's exactly what he needs, but when he asks Korede for Ayola's phone number, she must reckon with what her sister has become and how far she's willing to go to protect her. We should mention, uh, this is
0: a book written by a Nigerian woman, And neither of us is Nigerian or very familiar with Nigerian culture. So when we screw up words, we apologize. Uh, You listen to the audiobooks and you know how to say some of the names, but some things get faded with time.
1: Yes. And I also totally recommend listening to the audiobook because the reader was also Nigerian and that was very helpful. If I didn't know how to pronounce a name or a word, it was helpful to have a native of that country say it because it was more effective that way. Yeah, there was a couple times where she described
0: a certain dress or a certain mm. uh, piece of headwear, and I Googled it, and I was like, "Oh, this is cool!" And yeah, what up too? I mean, I had to Google it because I'm super removed from this stuff. But yeah, it was cool to see the differences too between the different styles. It's things I have never known the names for. I've always seen them, but I never knew the names for. Anyway, that's about. Words and we're here about a book. So, where should we start?
1: Maybe we should talk about kind of what we liked about it and what we didn't like about it. I think I would say that this is a pretty feminist book insofar as things are feminist now. It seems weird to just slap that on a label every time a woman writes a book about other women. But This book is mostly about other women, so that was nice. Well, I did see
0: in my research for the show that people were describing it as feminist because the sisters aren't exactly the typical feminine or the most likable of people. Ayola is described as shockingly beautiful. She gets all this attention, and yet she's a serial killer. So there's like an inherent tension in her character there. And she's so happy-go-lucky. She just skips through life That it's infuriating And we see everything from Koride's perspective Who's hardworking And she's not She probably is beautiful But just doesn't think she's beautiful Mm.
1: She's certainly less like that Eurocentric type of beautiful Thin, straight features kind of person Which seems like it's kind of the same deal in Nigeria as it is here That, you know, being kind of petite and slim Is a ideal to strive for Which is probably why the main character doesn't think that she's attractive. I think she's supposed to be tall uh, or taller. Yeah, and she's older too. Even though she's obviously also not a sociopath, she does kind of have that characteristic of like women who are judgmental at other women who are like, maybe have multiple boyfriends or have very active sort of casual sex lives. And it seems to judge her sister and, you know, have this air of superiority. I mean, not only because her sister is killing her boyfriends, but because She thinks that someone like her sister who is, you know, into fashion and makeup and beauty and pop music is like frivolous and she's the older sister. She has the responsible job as a head nurse and therefore she is better. Both of the female characters in this book are pretty flawed. So even though we see the story unfold from the sister who isn't a serial killer, we're still like, oh, you have your own kind of baggage to deal with too.
0: They really stick together is another thing. It's like the sister bond is so strong. And I think that we see a lot of that in books that are quote unquote feminist Mm. or, or even if it's not, it's the, the sister bond is something that's explored a lot. It's, it's kind of like, if you don't want to motivate a woman by her child or her husband, you may get her sister.
1: Mm. Yeah. I noticed that too. There's a quote-unquote love triangle in this book, but it's definitely not the main focus. Um, and the men in it are not super important, uh, which is another plus <laughs> in, this, uh, in the column. But I definitely notice that's what Frozen is about. I've actually never seen Frozen. Oh, I think sure. I've heard this song so many times and I got sick of it. But from all everything that I know, the sisterly relationship is the main focus. And I like that, but I don't love it because sometimes it makes me feel like women are only – important in relation to like their relationship to others or their families it's like defining women only as girlfriends or as mothers I don't know it takes away autonomy it's like when people are like oh remember you know sexual assault survivors and saying they're somebody's mother or sister or girlfriend I'm like okay but they're also a person yeah
0: yeah I love yeah when people they get like the sign that says that and they just like cross out yeah daughter sister girlfriend so that it just says she's someone and these two women even though the book really focuses on the sister relationship i still feel like they are individual people and they're pretty ayula especially is like so well rendered i think like i can i've known people like her and i've mm. and i can picture her pretty clearly and she's so frustrating and you can't do much about it because <laughs> you love her. She's your sister. Mm. And it's just one of those situations that you get into. Like, if you're Coride, you know she's going to pick up the phone and call you. And you're just going to be there. You'll just run to her side. But the maybe that's part of... Like, the book kind of... Is the horror aspect of it really the serial killings? Or is it Corday's devotion to her sister, who is, by all means... Not worth this much protection. Like she's a bad person. She keeps killing people, and for what reasons? She had, she she claims their self defense, but it's like, uh, is it really? How does this happen three times?
1: It's interesting because it's a really common thing that happens to a lot of us. Like, being the responsible older sibling is a lot. It's a lot of pressure and tension and anxiety. Anybody, really, who's kind of put in a position where it's like, you're the one who's getting shit done, and having all that responsibility is very heavy and it's very stressful. But then my sister, the serial killer, takes it one step forward and is like, okay, what happens if you're responsible for your younger sister who is murdering men and you have to help her get rid of the bodies? It's not a satire in that sense, but is this a horror? There are some, you know, horrific things that happen in it. Like, there's a lot of descriptions of police corruption, but it doesn't have the tone of a horror novel. It's almost like a dark comedy sort of family drama. It's even
0: advertised that way. I think it Mm. says right in the inside flap, darkly comic hand grenade of a novel. So it's definitely supposed to be not that grueling. I remember seeing uh, an interview with the author where she said something about not wanting to really bog people down with heavy topics and like moralizing and the ethics and ooh no so she didn't take like a darker tone toward it so that's kind of where the lighter tone comes through and where like a lot of the comedy is and it is fairly funny, maybe not laugh out loud funny but I remember being like, oh Corridor, you (laughs)
1: There is a part, I think I let out a sensible chuckle, When she's trying to tell her sister, like, oh, pretend to be sad. You're like, your boyfriend's missing. You have to pretend. And she's like, okay. And then her sister's like dancing around in her underwear to Whitney Houston in (laughs) her bedroom. And she's like, what are you doing? Like, you're supposed to be sad. She's like, oh, I, all right. I forgot about that. I am supposed to look like I didn't kill him. I liked that even from the perspective of reading a book from a Nigerian author set in Nigeria. I like that. There are instances about sort of government corruption and police corruption and Domineering men, but it's never really like this is a deadly serious novel about serious geopolitical topics That's kind of a part of the characters every day Like there's a part where Corde she gets stopped on the highway in her car for some like random reason And it's quite nerve-wracking because you're like, oh this cop is clearly an asshole what, are, what is he gonna do to her? But it's more presented as just a part of their daily life And there's a lot of other stuff about taking pictures of your food on Instagram and mm-hmm going on Instagram to look at sort of a guy that you have a crush on and (laughs) sort of that kind of thing. I think it's refreshing for people to read that from a book from a place like Nigeria and not think that every sort of book from there has to be about, you know, issues. It can also be sort of breezy and funny and dark and satirical too.
0: Yeah, it definitely gives me, it gave me an image of what modern day Lagos looks like or how it feels to live there. And it's like something we don't ever see in the West. Well, I don't want to say ever, but it's something we don't see a lot of, you know, when you, you hear like, Oh, this is an African story. You're like, Oh, okay. There's going to be huts and villages and, and people with the body sized masks dancing around a flame and nudity and poverty and hunger. But like, No, (laughs) that's just such a reductive way of thinking about an entire continent and it's a huge continent that can like swallow the entirety of the United States like twice um so it's like really great to get a different perspective on that and I'm sure this perspective is out there and we've just never come across it um because it's not privileged in our society but it's yeah it's definitely out there and the as far as that cop ghost that's honestly one of the, the like probably the scariest part of the, the book oh yeah is like, this cop who's just like oh i'm gonna give you a hard time and then she like slightly resists or is like in a bad mood so he like makes it so much worse for her and i think she ends up having to bribe him
1: yeah well she there's i think in the part in the book she's like oh i always carry around at least, I, f- I forget what the, the local currency is, uh, is, but she's like, she carries around like the equivalent of like a $20 bill to like bribe police officers because it just happens on a daily basis. Like if you don't give them 20 bucks, they'll, you know, hold you up or something. Yeah, they'll
0: shake you down. And so it was extra stressful for her in that moment too because she had just disposed of a body.
1: Yeah. Or did she still have it in the... No, she was on her way to work. I think she was worried that there, there, they would notice blood in the car or in yeah. the trunk. They would like ask to search her car and like find some... You know, she's pretty thorough because she does this a lot. <laughs> and she's a nurse, so she's very, very clean. Uh, but I think she's nervous that he's going to find some evidence of a body being, have, having had been in her trunk.
0: Yeah, so the plot of the book was really covering uh, coride kind of making sure... That Ayula doesn't get caught for her most recent murder. And then as she's doing that, they're butting heads because is starting to realize, oh, this is a thing. This is her third murder. Therefore, she's a serial killer. Like, it's, it's a classification that her sister fits in now. She can say, my sister, the serial killer. Um, so she's trying to keep her safe and make sure, like you said, she's not posting, uh, her meals on Instagram so that the family of her most recent ex-boyfriend don't get suspicious. And they do get suspicious. Mm-hmm. One of them shows up at their house and starts asking questions. And that's... I I remember I liked that part because it was a little... Because I was kind of hoping that Iola would finally get some comeuppance. <laughs> but she no, doesn't really. <laughs> no, she does not. And that's not really what the book's about either because it's not about good and evil and... And the law and justice triumphing over somebody doing something wrong. It's about the sisters.
1: Yeah. And it's about like at one point at what point is covering for your screw-up sister too much. <laughs> and, you know, then when the kind of issue of Corday being in love with this man who's a doctor where she works and her sister immediately sort of sees him because he's handsome and nice and successful, and the sister's like, I want that. Uh, I want to go to there, so Ayola <laughs> starts dating him, and then there's this further sort of complication where Corday has to be like, "Am I, am I, am I struggling with feelings of whether or not I should turn my sister in because I think it's the right thing to do, or because I want to like get back at her for stealing my man?" So she kind of has to deal with her own sort of feelings around that, like, do I? Do I prioritize this man over my sister? Because then she starts thinking, is he going to be next? Is she going to get upset with a small thing that he does and then decide to murder him? And then who am I going to have to back up? Like, should I warn him or should I do I have to put a stop to what's happening? So it's like kind of that debate that lots of. Female characters that I think women sort of in general have, or it's like, what is it ovaries before Brovaries? <laughs> yeah, that this, bego- this book becomes about whether ovaries should come before brovaries. What would you do? Um, find a better word than brovaries.
0: <laughs> you wouldn't cover for your brother. you'd just
1: uh, not if he it? murdered three women. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that's a lot. What if he murdered three men? Oh, I mean, same thing, really. Okay, all right. (laughs) Fair enough. I'm the youngest. Look, love is love, guys. (laughs)
0: Love is love. And (laughs) if your sibling wants to murder somebody, it shouldn't matter what gender they are. No, gender
1: presentation is up to
0: you. Yeah, you cover for your sibling no matter who gets murdered. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I'm the youngest. And I don't feel like I could call my siblings and be like, hey, you know what? Maybe that's not fair of me. (laughs) Maybe I could. I think if I did, I think if I did murder somebody, my sister would be there with me. I think if I murdered three people, she would still be there with me. So maybe it's it's a pretty accurate portrayal of sisters. And my sister and I have some problems the way that Corinne and Ay- Ayola do. So yeah, no, maybe it's just an accurate portrayal of what sisterhood is like. You fight to the fucking teeth death. Whatever. <laughs> Your tooth and claw, whatever you want to call it, you're fighting every little tiny thing, and but when it really counts, when it really comes down to it, you can just call them and
1: they'll be there for you. Yeah, that was a cool thing about it. Should we talk about what we didn't like, or is there more that we do like?
0: (sighs) Well, I mean, I didn't, I didn't want to spoil the ending because the ending is what I really like. (laughs) Which is, so let's spoil it now. We are, are, I think we have been in a spoiler zone for a while now.
1: Yeah. Let's just, let, we're, this is a, this is not a spoiler-free podcast. No, this is not a spoiler-free No, podcast. that's why we asked you to read this beforehand. <laughs> yeah.
0: Get your shit together, yeah. listeners. read
1: books. Yeah. Books are important.
0: <laughs> um, oh, also, you don't have to go to your local indie bookstore. You can get it from your local indie library.
1: Yes, I got. I got mine from Overdrive. The Overdrive app is... Not sponsoring us, so I haven't <laughs> thought of a commercial. <laughs> like Anyways, they're pretty good.
0: I really liked the ending, and so the book ends. Um Ayula and Doctor Tade's relationship has ended, and I will not tell you how. We'll try and keep that a secret. Yeah. See if if that'll be. Yeah. Whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the last scene is. Iola's brought another man home and Correida is like coming down the stairs to meet him for the first time. And it's so interesting that um, Braithwaite in this scene decides to describe Iola's boyfriend not with a name. She just calls him the man. And it's at this point that you kind of realize, oh, this is an endless cycle. Yeah. It doesn't matter who this guy is. He could be, I'm sorry, I'm going to use a bunch of boring white names right now. He could be John or Sam or Eric. It, Dick. It's, Tom. <laughs> it will definitely be Dick. Tom and Harry. It doesn't matter. And it's going to be all of them. And Corine's still going to come down those stairs. And she will smile. And she'll put on the show. And she'll just deal with it. Because at the end of the day, it's about Ayula. And so now that now that Tade's out of their lives, it's like she doesn't really have any other stake other than protecting her sister. So I kind of thought my first time through, I thought that was really sweet and I thought it was really touching. But as I was reading for this episode, I saw that uh, the author had said that one of her inspirations for the character of Iola was a Black Widow spider. And then I thought, oh... Mm -hmm. So, they kill, and whatever, they kill males and stuff, but, like, who's really trapped by this? Mm. Because Ayola gets away with everything. And Corete is actually the one that has to deal with the cleaning and the blood and the cops and the Instagram. Yeah. Which is a weird fallout from a murder that you don't really think about.
1: Yeah, you gotta be on point. You're... You you have to pretend digitally and in person that you did not <laughs> yeah. murder your boyfriend. <laughs> so it was
0: yeah, I I I liked the ending a lot. I thought, oh, okay. This I get this. I understand where this is going. And then I had it turned on its head and that kind of also blew my mind. So
1: Yeah, I liked I liked not referring to the man by a name because it was kind of like just men are sort of inconsequential <laughs> compared to their relationship and she's just she's just, she's just Just racking them up and spinning them out. (laughs) Should we talk about the original man, the father? The oh yeah, so yeah, that was um, their their father is described as being, or their their father who's no longer alive is described as being pretty abusive, and they're uh, they kind of hint about what that might have happened.
0: Um, Yeah, it's not it's not super explicit,
1: but I think
0: that they killed him uh they there i think a chapter ends where they say like not if we kill him first um
1: yeah there's kind of a a a sort of an icky kind of scene where it's a flashback to when ayola is i believe a teenager probably 15 or 16 And her father is trying to arrange a marriage to a much older sort of shitty man. Oh, she's like 13, right? No,
0: she's like eight or something. It's really gross.
1: Oh, yeah. So I think, I think that's kind of the point when the two sisters are like, we have to do something about this because he's going, he beats up their mother and they, they, their relationship with their mother, both of the sisters, is quite close. She's a good character too. I also like their mom. She's very like, your your average mom just sort of getting <laughs> getting sick of her daughter's shits and trying yeah. to get them to stop fighting with each other. Uh so she's great. But yeah, the, the father was abusive towards them, abusive towards the mother. So I think this is the this is the last sort of straw for yeah. them. And um
0: even though he was such a prick to the whole family, the their mother defends him mm. even in the present day, when it's been years since he died, and she's like if you like you can't say anything bad about him, if Corate even utters something that might have been critical of a, this man who was horrible, the their mother just flips her shit and is like, You don't talk about your father that way. And so I guess you could you could look at it like So Ayola sees her mother with this man suffering for however long. Um, like because he, he beats the shit out of the mom one yeah, time. Yeah, he does. Uh, and so maybe in,
1: she wanted that sort of ability. Yeah, and it's it's the book keeps it pretty ambiguous over who killed him. Like, Ayola could have, or Koroday could have. Like, you don't know. Like, maybe this is the first time Koroday killed somebody. Maybe that's why she's good at figuring out how to hide bodies and get away with it. Or maybe this is the first time Ayola did it. But it's kind of, I don't know, I feel like it was implied that they were both like pretty in on it together. Like it wasn't just a case of Iola murdering someone and then Coride having to cover it up. It was like, we're going to do this together. And maybe that's why Coride is always, always has Iola's back because they have like this kind of secret that they share together. Ooh, that's a great point. Mm-hmm.
0: And well, Coride is also obviously the brains out of the two of them. Mm. So if they were, if they're much smaller children than they are to a, a grown man, she might have to, have been the one that planned it.
1: Yeah, or at least, yeah, at least did the heavy lifting on that plan. Ha!
0: That's funny because Correte is always doing the heavy lifting. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally, and. Figuratively. Dragging bodies into. Lifting th- men. Throwing them in the trunk of her car. Yep.
1: All that shit. All right, so I guess that's. Yeah. What don't we like about the book? Um, I think some parts. The way that it was written. So, first off, I actually quite like the way that it was written because. I'm generally not a fan of sort of liter- more literary books, which is a long-standing thing that I get made fun of for. I, get, I don't make fun of you. I know. It's just very weird because I really like sort of ambient kind of bizarre, weird films, but with books, I'm just like, oh, why? <laughs> Say what you mean. Um, so I don't know. I just sometimes find them very flowery, pretentious. So, you know, one out of five I can get on to, but I liked that this book was – Written very to the point and very, um, honestly and sort of straightforwardly. So I liked that aspect of the writing style, but I kind of, uh, the downside of that is that I felt, it felt very like surface level. Like there were parts where I wished, it's a pretty short book. It's what, like 250 ish uh, pages? It's-
0: yeah, it's yeah it's two twenty six,
1: yeah, so it's it's not super long and in, in you know, and those are it, small pages too, so. yeah, in the vast scheme of things. And there's a lot of little subplots that happen. There's another sort of subplot that I didn't love where Corradeday essentially doesn't have any anybody she trusts enough to talk about what's happening. So she starts confiding in this uh, male patient who's comatose. So she kind of just talks at him because she needs to get her feelings out. Um, and then should we spoil that too? Yeah, we could spoil that. Yeah, why not? So, but essentially towards the end of the book, he, uh, wakes up and he reveals that, you know, for like years she's been talking to him and he heard most of it, I think. And he knows that, uh, her sister Aola is killing people, but he sort of promises not to say anything because he likes her and she appreciates that he, she took care of him all this time. So that is a sort of a subplot that kind of doesn't really go anywhere. Like, she talks to him, he wakes up, he says, Oh, I heard, I'm gonna keep your secret because you were so kind to me. He kind of starts making changes in his own life, he sort of dumps his wife, who is sort of not a nice person, um, and there's all that kind of stuff. And it's that's sort of it. It's I didn't really understand what the point of it was. I think maybe his so his name was Mutar. Yes, I think I could be saying that wrong. If I am, I'm
0: sorry. Um, and I, I think the whole purpose of Mutar, because as we we learn about him, he his the first thing that really happens after he wakes up is that his son comes and wants his blessing to marry this woman. But Mutar is like, "Aren't you? Didn't you already have a wife?" And his son says, "Yeah, but it didn't work out. We got divorced." And so there's this really awkward scene where Mutar is is rejecting this young woman who's, like, bowing to him in this really traditional way and saying, like, no, nah, I don't think that divorce is good and I don't think that you should remarry. So he's, he's like, really enforcing these traditional values with his family and his son. Um, he doesn't want to give his son any more money to, like, marry this second woman. Basically. And then at the same time with Kurede, he's like, oh, yeah. It's fine. I won't tell anybody because you took such good care of me. Um, so you and your sister, even though you're not traditional, I guess in a way though Korede acted traditionally with him by taking such good care of him. So I think that like Mutar's presence is just about the tensions that are existing in this family between traditional and non-traditional ways of life. I
1: think that's I think that's what he's supposed to be representing and, and underscoring. Yeah, maybe. That's a good way of thinking about it. I didn't really think about it that way. And I don't necessarily think there was no point in it. I guess it kind of serves like a narrative tension moment because there's some, there's, there's for a bit, Koroday is like, oh no, is he going to tell everybody? Did he hear what I've been saying? So there's sort of some, some, some conflict that comes from her not knowing whether or not he's going to spill her secret. But in such a short novel i don't know if we needed sort of this extra layer when i thought most of it does a good job about most of the most of the story it runs quickly i pre- i like that this book isn't bogged down in sort of a lot of like words or feelings or ambiguousness it's very straight to the point and it moves along at a really good pace but there's little instances like this where you're like I, this seems like filler or it seems like an interesting idea that maybe belonged in a different or longer book because I was more interested in figuring out where the sort of primary thread was going to go. There were, there were parts that felt a little bit repetitive because it was a bit like, Oh, Iola murdered someone. Gotta go clean it up. Iola, don't post pics of you being happy on Instagram. Oh, no, they might find out about us. Oh, no, Iola killed someone else. Time to do it all over again. Is she gonna kill the guy I have a crush on? Why? We don't know. Iola, pretend to be happy on... Pretend to not be happy on Instagram. So it was a bit repetitive in that way.
0: Yeah, is definitely a little, like... What's the, like, she's, like, self-sacrificing and she's so resentful about Mm -hmm. it that it gets kind of old. It's, like, her plan to become head nurse is to just work super hard and take everybody's shit. And it works for her. And as soon as it does, she's, like, snapping at people and, like, bossing them around. And, like, she's doing it to make the hospital better. Like, or at least that's how it is depicted to us, is that, all? like, most of her other uh, um, co-workers...
1: Are they're stupid? <laughs> yeah, they're pretty incompetent. incompetent. Everyone else that she works with, yeah, they're, they're lazy wrong. or they 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 don't listen or they have an attitude. So she's essentially the only competent person, the only competent nurse in this hospital. Yeah. At least. So
0: so her plan is to suffer a bunch until they recognize her suffering, and so she does that at work, and then her plan with Ayula is to suffer a bunch, and she she starts to like consider breaking away. From Ayula's bullshit and, like, not cleaning up after her and letting her deal with her own stuff. And then there's some fallout with this relationship with Dr. Tade that we
1: weren't going to spoil. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's fall. It's so unspoiling. We just said fallout. Yeah. it's a generic enough word. And,
0: well, it basically it kind of reinforces this weird codependence that the two of them have on each other. Yeah, like, Would Koride really be happy if she wasn't cleaning up Ayula's shit? And Ayula... Well, we she would probably go to prison without Corday, so it's safe to say that they need each other in a really unhealthy way, I think,
1: yeah, and like another thing about Corday being like a sort of sort of self-sacrificing kind of like long suffering person is that I feel like, and I talked about this earlier, that she is one of those women who really thinks that women who spend a lot of time and appear and time and money and effort on their appearance are stupider. Because there's a lot of parts where, I mean, she judges Iola for doing that, for spending so much time on her hair or on her clothes or painting her nails. And she has a, a, a female nurse coworker who kind of has like a manicure and she sort of judges this woman for, oh, well, maybe if you spend less time on your nails and more time on your job, you'd be this, this and this. And like having been one of those, you know, women who judged other women for being like that when I was, you know, younger and having been someone who's very much- Not that anymore, and kind of appreciative about you know whether you want to wear a pound of eyeliner or not. You're still a valid human being, and it was kind of annoying to it. It it added to her character, and it added to the idea that neither of these two women are perfect. But um, being in the headspace of a character who's like that a lot is like oh, I just I wish you're the hero, and I wish (laughs) I wish you were less disparaging of other women. But you know they live in a uh, they live, as we all do, in a patriarchal society, and you can be a self-hating woman sometimes, and I think this character has a lot of complicated feelings about her own appearance, especially since she has a younger sister who is much more conventionally, traditionally attractive, so she probably has some shitty baggage to deal with about yeah, appearances was and beauty.
0: I am just going to say something like that, like, maybe Corde wouldn't have such an issue with other people's beauty if she felt that she herself was beautiful. Yeah, and, and she
1: feels like Ayola oh, gets away with a lot of this stuff because she is beautiful too. Yeah, and that's
0: something that's actually kind of drilled into us as women. is like, if like that is your value, is that you're beautiful. So if you don't have that, what do you have? And if you don't have it, how do you feel about women who do have it? That's, that's not something that's ever addressed or we're not taught how to deal with that. It's something that we just... Have to learn by watching. And a lot of people acted out really badly. And so you learn to act it out badly. Especially like... like I remember when we when I was younger... Well, we were younger at the same time. So I remember there being like... The stereotype of like... The jealous... She's just jealous because you have a hot boyfriend. Or, mm. or something. So your your value is like... Very fickle and can easily be taken away. And it's never the man's fault when it is. It's always another woman who takes the blame for it. And I feel like Corey Day is definitely one of those people that believes that sort of thing, despite how much she cares for her sister as a person.
1: Yeah. Iola kind of has that thing. I don't know if anybody's seen that episode of 30 rock where, uh, Tina Fey dates, um, John Ham and he's <laughs> really attractive and people just give him things for free because he's really attractive and he doesn't realize that it's because he's really attractive um like he's a doctor but he's a terrible doctor but everyone disagrees with him because he's very good looking so Ayola has a little bit of that where yeah. she is oblivious to sort of how the world works because she's beautiful and she's always been beautiful but you do kind of get the sense that that's she's not a stupid person or a stupid character but and you get the sense that she puts so much time and effort into her appearance because she recognizes that it's an asset and it's how she can get people to do things and it's how mm. she can it's how she can get money and she she has I think she's mentioned as having it's kind of an afterthought in the book, but I think they mentioned that she's a pretty successful like fashion business. Yeah. She's a designer or like a, or something or a dressmaker and it seems like she they they live in like I mean they live with their mother, but they live they seem to be like quite like upper middle class. Like they live in a nice house. They each have a car and it seems like Oyel is pretty Happy and satisfied, sort of, with her career. But, um, you feel like she's one of those women who's like, yeah, this is, this is what I was born with, and I'm going to make it work for me, whether or not it means being sociopathic and killing people. But yeah, I think she, she does that, and Coraday kind of sees it as being less of a, you know, having that, those interests is purely selfish. But I think maybe for Iola, it's more of a self preservation technique. Awesome.
0: Okay, so my final thoughts on My Sister the Serial Killer are, um, this is a weird um, complaint that I have. (laughs) So I have the print book. Um, It's a hardcover, but it's like a really small trim size. So it's like the pages aren't very wide and they're not very tall. So like I would have to like pull this thing open to see (laughs) like the words in the center. So it kind of hurt my hands a little bit to read. But um that, that's my my complaint about like the physicality of this book. It looks great. It has got a fantastic cover like we said. But yeah, I think it's would I recommend Is it horror first of all? We, I would say no. I would agree with that. But um, if you
1: like horror, it'll appeal to you.
0: Yeah, although no, I would be oh, Jesus. Although but, <laughs> I'm <screaming. laughs> Okay, give me a second. What do you want to say? I want to say through this conversation and the thing I read about the spider sort of Black theme, widow. the Black Widow yeah. thing, I'm, I think it could be read as horror if you if you wanted to take that stance that actually Coridae is the one who's mm. caught in this web that she can't escape. It's, and the lengths that she goes to, to believe that she's the one in control when Ayula's been playing her the whole time, you could maybe make an argument that that's pretty horrifying. Um... But for the
1: most part, it's it's basically a family drama, with some killing, yeah, Bit with of blood, with some murdering. And I mean, I don't necessarily think a book has to be like nonstop gore and stabbing to be a horror. But I think it's missing like that tone that's present in horror novels, where there's no there's no no sort of like dread or that tension that that atmosphere of horror novels, but. It is kind of a dark, sort of horrific family dramedy, I would say. Yeah. If I had to come up with a convoluted genre for this book, it would I be those things. Um, let's see what they have. They have listed it as, let me see.
0: We'll just we'll edit this out. They called it Fiction Contemporary Women, Fiction Family Life, and Fiction Satire... Satire is a weird choice. But.
1: I have seen this book described as satire in, like, on Goodreads, and I don't agree with it. What is it. it satirizing? Okay, here's my thing. I think it's sort of satire. It's sort of a satire. And this is, I don't know, maybe it's not a stretch. Maybe it is. It's sort of a satire of the way that men and women are supposed to deal with each other. Because Iola plays in very hard to these traditional female gender roles in relationships. She wants gifts. She wants money. She wants the man to be handsome. She wants him to wear nice suits. She wants him to have a nice car, but she is self-aware about all of those things. And she knows that men will play right into her hands and she can get what she wants by implying that she wants these things. Is she going to necessarily be faithful to men? No. Is she necessarily going to stay with one? Does she necessarily want a diamond bracelet? No, but she's smart enough to know that those things mean that this man is invested in her and she can get some amount of security, whether it's personal, professional, financial. It's, I think, pretty, it's outright said or implied that a man gave her the money to start her clothing business. So she knows that she can get things. So is that a satire? I don't know. Because there's definitely parts where Corade talks to men who are like besotted with Ayola like <laughs> and, and like oh she's she's the most wonderful unique woman i've ever met she's incredible and Corade's like yeah yeah okay and like Ayola's <laughs> like yeah he's fine he bought me a bracelet like so it's it's funny that way is that a satire i don't know i think it's just a dark comedy it's a dark comedy about the ways that men and women behave in relationships yeah. and like how they are expected to behave.
0: I completely agree with that. I think you summed that up really perfectly. So, horror? No. Satire? Also no. Is it worth a read? Yeah, pick it up. Yeah. You'll learn something. It'll be dope.
1: Yeah, it's uh, also the audiobook is really great and the uh the voice the, the voice actress, the narrator uh just she has a the book style is very conversational uh and the this um narrator also has a very fun conversational tone so it's it just it sounds like a friend telling you a story when you read when you listen to the audiobook which is what i like in audiobooks
0: so just so we're we're we've covered all our bases we told you about the book i'm gonna just quickly read o braithwaite's uh bio is what it's called i'm gonna read her bio So, Oyinkan Braithwaite is a graduate of creative writing and law from Kingston University. Following her degree, she worked as an assistant editor at Kachifo, a Nigerian publishing house, and as a production manager at Ajapa World, a a children's educational and entertainment company. She now works as a freelance writer and editor. In 2014, she was shortlisted as a top 10 spoken word artist in the Echo Poetry Slam, and in 2016, she was a finalist for the Commonwealth Short Story Prize. She lives in Lagos, Nigeria. Also, I should mention this book was shortlisted for the 2019 uh, Women's Prize for Fiction. So that's pretty cool, and yeah. definitely means it's worth a read. Prizes. <laughs> okay. So, what are we reading next? Should I introduce it?
1: Yeah, because I there's several books, but I think I know which one we're reading next. Well, I oh okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So next, we're reading, and I mentioned this in our intro podcast, I think, The Migration by Mm -hmm. Helen Marshall, which is Canadian. So woo! Yay,
1: can-lit.
0: So pick that up at your local indie bookshop or your local indie library. I just like to say indie twice, so, you know... Indie. It doesn't have to be an indie library.
1: <laughs> yeah. The Migration is a, a fun one. Do, do you guys like climate change and weird birds? Then do we have the book for you?
0: <laughs> and more sisters. Yay. Yeah,
1: that's true. It's another sister book.
0: All right. Well, so until next time, read that book. You've got time. And we'll see you next time on the Binding Ritual podcast. Ooh. Ooh.
1: They we're done. Yeah.